ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then we're on the chapter regarding the best type of dhikr which is the Qur'an itself. Afdalu dhikr al-Qur'an al-Kareem. The best of dhikr is the Qur'an, the noble Qur'an itself. Inna khayra ma yanbaghi lil'abdi an yadhkura Allah bihi huwa kalamuhu tabaraka wa ta'ala. الذي هو خير الكلام وأحسنه وأصدقه وأنفعه وهو وحي الله وتنزيله الذي لا يأتيه الباطل من بين يديه ولا من خلفه وهو أفضل كتاب أنزله الله تبارك وتعالى على أفضل رسول على عبده ومصطفاه وخيرته من خلقه محمد محمد بن عبد الله Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The best thing that is appropriate for a servant and suitable for a servant to remember Allah with is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The speech which is the best of all speech and the most truthful and most beneficial of all speech. And it is the revelation of Allah, the revelation that no falsehood comes to it, neither from before it, nor from behind it, no falsehood comes upon it. And it is the best book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed upon His Messenger, upon his servant, the chosen one, from his creation, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يقول الله تعالى في بيان شرف هذا القرآن الكريم وفضله Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned regarding the virtue of this Qur'an وَلَا يَأْتُونَكَ بِمَثَلٍ إِلَّا جِئْنَاكَ بِالْحَقِّ وَأَحْسَنَ تَفْسِيرًا That they do not come to you with a parable except that we come to you with the truth and the best of explanation. قال ابن كثير رحمه الله في هذا اعتناء كبير لشرف الرسول صلوات الله وسلامه عليه حيث كان يأتيه الملك بالقرآن صباحا ومساء سفرا وحضرا فكل مرة كان يأتيه الملك بالقرآن لا كإنزال الكتاب مما قبله من الكتب المتقدمة فهذا المقام أعلى وأجل وأعظم مكان من سائر إخوانه من الأنبياء صلوات الله وسلامه عليه مجمعين فالقرآن أشرف كتاب أنزله الله وَمُحَمَّدٌ Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a'azamu nabiyyin arsalahu allahu ta'ala. Ibn Kathir rahimahullahu ta'ala said, 
that this indicates the great level of importance and the nobility of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam that an angel would come to him an angel would come to him with the Qur'an morning and evening when he was traveling, when he was at home an angel would come to him teaching him that Qur'an so every time the angel came to him taught him that Qur'an uh, and it was not like how the revelation came before that from the books so this was a superior and more elevated rank more than the other prophets and the messengers so the Qur'an is the noblest of all of the books that Allah revealed and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the greatest of all of the prophets that Allah sent إن فضل القرآن الكريم وشرفه ورفيع قدره وعلو مكانته أمر لا يخفى على المسلمين فهو كتاب الله رب العالمين The virtue of the Qur'an, the nobility of the Qur'an that's not something which is hidden from the Muslims it is the book of Allah the, create, the, the Lord of all of creation وكلام خالق الخلق يجمعين and it is the speech of the creator of all of the creation. فِيهِ نَبَأُ مَا قَبْلَنَا وَخَبَرُ مَا بَعْدَنَا وَحُكْمُ مَا بَيْنَنَا So within this Qur'an, there is information and news about those who went before us, in the nations before us. And it gives us information about what is to come after us from the signs of the Day of Judgment and the afterlife. And it gives us the rulings of how we are to do things now. So this Qur'an has within, within it a great deal of virtue, a great deal of nobility, a great rank and a great status. إِنَّ قَدَرَ الْقُرْآنَ وَفَضْلَهُ هُوَ بِقَدَرِ الْمَوْصُوفِ بِهِ وَفَضْلِهِ فَالْقُرْآنُ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ وَصِفَتُهُ وَكَمَا أَنَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى لَا, سمي لا سَمِيَّ لَهُ وَلَا شَبِيهَ فِي أَسْمَائِهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ فَلَا سَمِيَّ لَهُ وَلَا شَبِيهَ لَهُ فِي كَلَامِهِ So the virtue of the Qur'an, it is connected to the virtue of where it comes from, and the Qur'an, of course, is an attribute of Allah. It is the speech of Allah, the attribute of Allah. So just like Allah does not have any comparison in His attributes, then similarly, there is no comparison or resemblance to Allah in His speech. There is no comparison or resemblance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His speech. No one can bring anything like the Qur'an. Nobody can bring anything similar to the Qur'an in any way at all. And Allah said in the Qur'an, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ That there is nothing like unto Allah, and He is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. It's mentioned in a narration, قال أبو عبد الرحمن السلامي رحمه الله 
reported by Al-Bayhaqi in the book Al-Asma was Sifat Fadlul Qur'ani ala sa'iril kalami kafadlil rabbi ala khalqihi wa thalika annahu minhu the virtue of the Qur'an over the rest of the speech, the speech of the people, etc., is like the virtue of the Lord upon His creation. The virtue of the speech of Allah, the Qur'an, over all other speech, is like the virtue of Allah over His creation. Uh, and of course, the speech of Allah is the attribute of Allah. So there is no comparison to any other speech. It is superior than all other speech, more beneficial and truthful, the most truthful, the completely truthful, where there is no falsehood in it. Whereas the speech of the people, of course, is erroneous. وَقَدْ رُوِيَ هَذَا اللَّفْظِ مَرْفُوعًا إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عِسَلَّمِ إِلَّا أَنَّ رَفْعَهُ لَا and this uh, uh, narration has actually been mentioned as a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, but uh, the scholars, they mention there is a weakness uh, to it being a statement of the Prophet himself, but it's a statement of Abu Abdul Rahman as-Sulami rahimahullah nevertheless. Then the Shaykh, he mentions that there are some narrations highlighting the virtues of the Qur'an, highlighting how the Qur'an, it is superior to all other, uh, anything else. There is no comparison to it in terms of the revelation. And he mentions a couple of narrations here. We'll mention one of them today. And that is the hadith of Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma anin nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal innama ajalukum fi ajali min man khala min al-umami kama bayna salat al-asr wa maghrib al-shams wa mathalukum wa mathalu al-yahud wa al-nasara kamathali rajulin istahmala ummala faqala man ya'malu li ila nisf al-nahar ala qirat qirat فعملت اليهود فقال من يعمل لي من نصف النهار إلى العصر فعملت النصارى ثم أنتم تعملون من العصر إلى المغرب بقراطين قراطين قالوا نحن أكثر عملا وأقل عطاء قال هل ظلمتكم أو ظلمتكم من حقكم قالوا لا قال فذاك فضلي أوتيه من شئت In this narration of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he told them your span, your span of time relative to the nations that came before you is like from Asr to Maghrib. And your example compared to the Jews and the Christians is like a man who hired some workers. A man who hired some workers. And so he said, who will work for me half of the day upon a qirat, a sum of uh, uh, money or uh, something that he would give them in recompense, a qirat. So the Jews, they did that. They worked half of the day upon the qirat. 
Then the man said, who will work for me half of the day up until Asr? So then the Christians, they did that. Then this ummah, it is as though they are working from Asr to Maghrib upon two qirat of reward. Meaning from Fajr up until Dhuhr, half of the day, that's a long time. From Dhuhr to Asr is still a reasonably long time. Maghrib to uh, Asr to Maghrib is the shortest time from the prayers. In the morning all the way to Dhuhr is a long time. Dhuhr to Asr is still reasonable. Asr to Maghrib becomes a shorter time. The gap between Asr to Maghrib is shorter than the gap between Dhuhr and Asr. So it's as though this Ummah works the least time but has the greatest reward. And that's why it says in the narration, they then say, the Jews and the Christians, we worked more and we got less. But then it will be said to them, did I oppress you from your right? Because they were not oppressed from their right, they were given what they were told. And they said no. So then it is said, that is my virtue, I give it to whom I will. So this indicates the virtue of this ummah, the virtue of the revelation given to this ummah, that revelation being the Qur'an, and the example being given here of the great status of the Qur'an, that even though it's a lesser time period, the reward is greater. A lesser time period compared to the others, but the reward is greater. So the Shaykh says, إِنَّ الْوَاجِبَ عَلَيْنَا أَن نُعَظِّمَ الْقُرْآنَ الْكَرِيمَ الَّذِي هُوَ مَصْدَرُ عِزِّنَا وَسَبِيلْ سَعَادَتِنَا ونحفظله منزلته ومكانته ونقدره ونقدره حق قدره ونعمل به. So what is obligatory upon us is that we recognize the greatness of the Quran and that it is the source of our honor in the Quran and the source or the the pathway to our happiness. And that we must therefore safeguard over the position and the status of the Qur'an and to give it its due right. Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu mentioned, مَنْ كَانَ يُحِبْ أَنْ يَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ يُحِبُّ اللَّهِ فَلْيَعْرَضْ نَفْسَهُ عَلَى الْقُرْآنِ فَإِنْ أَحَبَّ الْقُرْآنَ فَهُوَ يُحِبُّ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّمَا الْقُرْآنَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ That if anybody wishes to know whether they love Allah truly, then put yourself or judge yourself in relation to the Qur'an. If you love the Qur'an, then it is a sign you love Allah. Because indeed the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. So he said, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, if you want to see whether you truly love Allah, then check yourself with regards to the Qur'an. If you're negligent of the Qur'an, nothing, then that's not a good sign for you. But you're somebody who is connected and reading and learning and memorizing and acting upon the Qur'an, then that is a sign that indeed you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that Qur'an you are learning and reading and practicing is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud also said, Al-Qur'anu kalamullah. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah. فَمَنْ رَدَّ مِنْهُ شَيْئًا فَإِنَّمَا يَرُدُّ عَلَى اللَّهِ The Qur'an is the speech of Allah. So whomsoever rejects anything from it, then they are rejecting upon Allah. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah. So whomsoever rejects anything from it, they are rejecting Allah. Or they are rejecting upon Allah. وَالْآثَارِ فِي هَذَا الْمَعْنَى كَثِيرًا And there are many other narrations uh, revolving around this type of meaning. Then, it talks about the revelation of the Qur'an. نُزُولُ الْقُرْآنِ فِي شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ That the Qur'an was revealed in the month of Ramadan. لَا رَيْبَةِ أَنَّ مِنْ أَجَلِّ نِعْمِ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْإِطْلَاقِ وَأَشْرَفِهَا وَأَعْظَمِهَا نِعْمَةَ إِنْزَالِهِ الْكِتَابِ الْعَظِيمِ عَلَى عَبْدِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدْ صلى الله عليه وسلم No doubt that the greatest or from the greatest of the blessings uh, and the, the, the noblest and most tremendous blessings is that Allah revealed this great book upon His servant and His messenger, uh, and His messenger, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَهَذِهِ نِعْمَةٌ عُذْمَا وَمِنَّهِ كُبْرَا إِمْتَنَّ اللَّهُ بِهَا عَلَى عِبَادِهِ So this is a great blessing, and the, the great bestowment, endowment, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon us, that He revealed this Qur'an to us. وَبَيَّنَ عِظَمَ شَأْنِهَا فِي آيٍ كَثِيرًا مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ And there are many ayat in the Qur'an, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the great uh, status of the Qur'an. So there are many, for example, تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْفُرْقَانَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ لِيَكُونَ لِلْعَالَمِينَ نَذِيرًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one, تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي نَزَّلَ The one whom is blessed, uh, gives the blessing, the one who revealed this criteria upon his servant, so that he would be a warner to all of mankind. Similarly, تَنزِيلُ الْكِتَابِ مِنَ اللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَكِيمِ The revelation of that book from Allah, the Almighty, the All-Wise. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ فَاعْبُدِ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينِ أَلَا لِلَّهِ الدِّينُ الْخَالِصِ That indeed we revealed upon you the book with truth. So worship Allah sincerely upon this religion. Indeed, the religion of sincerity is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيَّنَاتٍ مِّنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ The month of Ramadan uh, in which Allah revealed the Qur'an, the month of Ramadan in which it was revealed in, the Qur'an was revealed in as a guidance for mankind and clarity and 
uh, a guidance of the criteria and the criteria, a clarity from the guidance and the criteria. إِنَّ لِشَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ الْكَرِيمِ شَهْرَ الصَّوْمِ خُصُوصِيَّةَ بِالْقُرْآنِ So the month of Ramadan has a special connection with the Qur'an, of course. The month of Ramadan has a special connection with the Qur'an. فَهُوَ الشَّهْرُ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ It is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed as a guidance to all of mankind. وَقَدْ اِمْتَدَحَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي الْآيَةِ الْكَرِيمَةِ الْمُتَقَدِّمَةِ شَهْرَ الصَّيَامِ مِنْ بَيْنِ سَائِرِ الشُّهُورِ and Allah has mentioned the virtue of this month of Ramadan in the Qur'an, Shahru Ramadan, mentioned specifically by name, that this is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed. قال, it's mentioned, Unzilat suhufu Ibrahim fi awwali laylatin min Ramadan. Wa unzilat tawratu li sittin madayna min Ramadan. وَالْإِنْجِيلُ لِثَلَاثِ عَشَرَةَ خَلَتْ مِنْ رَمَضَانِ وَأَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ الْقُرْآنَ لِأَرْبَعَ وَعِشْرِينَ خَلَتْ مِنْ رَمَضَانِ It's mentioned in a narration that al-Sheikh al-Albani authenticated that the parchments of Ibrahim, the suhuf of Ibrahim were revealed on the first night of Ramadan. That's when they were revealed, on the first night of Ramadan. And the Torah was revealed six days into Ramadan. And the Injil, 13 days into Ramadan. And this Quran was revealed 24 days into Ramadan. So you can see, all of the revelations were therefore revealed in Ramadan, the Injil, the Torah, the parchments or the book of Ibrahim salam, and the books of the other prophets and messengers salam, and the Qur'an itself revealed in Ramadan. Uh, and the narration has some weaknesses in it, however, uh, it's been declared as authentic uh, by a Shaykh al-Albani with all of the other supporting evidences. فَإِنْ صَحَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فَهُوَ يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ شَهْرَ رَمَضَانِ هُوَ الشَّهْرُ الَّذِي كَانَتْ تَنْزِلُ فِيهِ الْكُتُبِ الْإِلَهِيَّ عَلَىٰ الرُّسُلْ عَلِيمِ السَّلَامِ So, upon the basis that the narration is authentic, it would therefore indicate that all of the revelations, they were revealed in the month of Ramadan. Then also we know, إِلَّا أَنَّهَا كَانَتْ تَنْزِلُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ الَّذِي أُنْزِلَتْ عَلَيْهِ جُمْلَ وَاحِدًا وَأَمَّا الْقُرْآنَ الْكَرِيمِ فَلِمَزِيدْ شَرَفِهِ وَعَظِيمِ فَضْلِهِ فَإِنَّمَا نَزَلَ جُمْلَةً وَاحِدًا إِلَى بَيْتَ الْعِزَّةِ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا وَكَانَ ذَلِكَ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ مِنْ شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ المبارك. The books when they were revealed to the previous prophets and messengers, when the books were revealed to the previous prophets and messengers, they would be revealed all in one go. The Qur'an, for its additional honor, was revealed all in one go to Baytul Izzah, 
in the heaven of the earth. All of it revealed in one go to Baytul Izzah in the heaven of this earth, the sky of this earth. And that was of course on Laylatul Qadr. On Laylatul Qadr from the month of Ramadan. And that's why it says, Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. That indeed we revealed it in the night of Al-Qadr. And similarly, Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Mubarakah. That indeed we revealed it in a blessed night. And Shahru Ramadan al-Ladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. The month of Ramadan in which the Qur'an was revealed. So these ayat, they all indicate that the Qur'an was revealed in one go. In one night, the Laylatul Qadr, the night which was blessed, Layla Mubarakah. And that was one of the nights of Ramadan. But then after that, it was then revealed in stages and sections to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But all of it revealed in that one go on the night of the decree, thereafter revealed to the Prophet ﷺ in sections. Uh, and so there are narrations, Unzila al-Qur'an jumlatan wahida ila sama'i dunya wa kana bimawaqi'in nujum wa kana Allahu yunziluhu ala rasulihi ﷺ ba'adahu fi ifri ba'adahu. That all of it was revealed to the uh, uh, heaven of this earth in one go. But then after that, it was revealed in sections, bit by bit, to the Prophet wasallam. So, all of it was revealed on Laylatul Qadr in one go, to Baytul Izzah, in the lowest heaven of, to the earth. And then after that, from there, it was revealed in sections, in, in ayat, in chapters, bit by bit, to the Prophet wasallam. إِنَّ الْحِكْمَةَ فِي هَذَا النُّزُولِ هِيَ تَعْظِيمُ الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمُ وَتَعْظِيمُ أَمْرْ مَنْ نَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ وَهُوَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. So the fact that the Qur'an was revealed in this way indicates a greatness of the Qur'an itself, the great nobility of the Qur'an itself, and also it indicates the nobility of the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم too. ثُمَّ إِنَّمَا تَقَدَّمَ لَيَدُلُّ أَعْظَمَ دَلَالًا عَلَىٰ عِظَمِ شَهْرِ الصَّوْمِ شَهْرُ رَمَضَانِ الْمُبَارَكِ وَأَنَّ لَهُ خُصُوصِيَّةً بِالْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ So we've already mentioned how there is a specific connection with Ramadan to the Qur'an uh, and there is a specific station for that. إِذْ فِيهِ حَصَلَ لِلْأُمَّ مِنَ اللَّهِ هَذَا الْفَضْلُ الْعَظِيمِ because this great virtue from Allah occurred to the Ummah in that month of Ramadan. Uh, and it's mentioned, قَدْ كَانَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُطِيلُ الْقِرَاءَةَ فِي قِيَامِ رَمَضَانِ بِاللَّيْلِ أَكْثَرْ مِنْ غَيْرِهِ That the Prophet ﷺ used to extend his recitation, extend his recitation during the night of Ramadan, during the nights of Ramadan, more than any of the other nights. 
وهذا أمر يشرع ويشرع لكل من أراد أن يزيد في القراءة ويطيل وكان يصلي لنفسه فليطول ما شاء And this is something legislated for everybody who wants to increase in their recitation. If a person is praying by himself, then pray as long as you want. وَكَذَلِكَ مَنْ صَلَّى بِجَمَاعَةِ يَرْضَوْنَ بِصَلَاتِهِ Or similarly, if somebody is leading the prayer and everybody is happy for him to lead long, then also you can extend that prayer long. وَكَانَ السَّلَفُ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ يَتَلُونَ الْقُرْآنَ فِي شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَغَيْرِهَا And the Salaf, they used to recite the Qur'an in the month of Ramadan, during the prayer and outside of the prayer. فَكَانَ الْأَسْوَدْ يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنَ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَتَيْنِ فِي رَمَضَانِ uh, and so Al-Aswad used to read the Qur'an every two nights. He would finish the Qur'an every two nights. In two nights, finish the whole Qur'an. Half and half. Would finish it in two nights. وَكَانَ النَّخَعِي يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ فِي الْعَشْرِ الْأَوَاخِرِ مِنْهُ خَاصَّةً Ibrahim al-Nakha'i from the Salaf used to do exactly the same thing. Finish the Qur'an half and half over two days. In the last 10 days of Ramadan, that's what he would do. In the last 10 days of Ramadan, he would finish it every two nights. And for the rest of the month, the first 20 days, he would finish it once every three days. So in the first 20 days, he would finish it approximately... No mathematics. He would finish it every three days. For the first 20 days of Ramadan. So he's finished it basically seven times just about. And then in the last 10 days, he would finish it every two days. Another five, 12 times. 12 times finish the whole Quran in the month of Ramadan. And there are examples of even more than that. They say about Al Imam Al Bukhari, Al Imam Al Bukhari, that. He used to finish it. He used to lead the Taraweeh prayer. He used to lead the Taraweeh prayer. And he would finish the whole Quran in how many nights? In ten nights? One Taraweeh. They say he would finish the whole Qur'an leading the people in three nights. There are narrations about him finishing it in three nights. And then on top of that, his personal reading, he would finish it once every day. So once every day of his personal reading, that means he's finishing Qur'an in Ramadan 30 times. And then in the Taraweeh prayer, when he's leading them, he's finishing it every three days. That's another 10, 40 times in the month of Ramadan. And there are examples like this from the Salaf. وَكَانَ قَتَادَ يَخْتُمْ فِي كُلِّ سَبْعِ دَائِمًا وَفِي رَمَضَانِ فِي كُلِّ ثَلَاثِ Al-Imam Qatada from the Salaf used to finish the Qur'an every seven days. 
normally the rest of the year. We're not even talking about Ramadan for that example. He used to finish the Quran once every week normally. Outside of Ramadan, rest of the year. And there are people who do that. Now, there's a brother I used to know at the University of Medina. Young brother he was in those days. In his late teens. Mid to late teens. Young brother he was. Hafiz of the Quran. And he used to revise his Quran three juz after Fajr every morning and two juz after Isha every evening. So every day he was recapping five juz, which means he was recapping the full Quran every six days. Recapping the full Quran every six days. Mentions here, Qatada used to finish it every week for the whole year, all the time, just every week finish the whole Quran. In Ramadan, he would finish it every three days. So double up. In Ramadan, he would finish it every three days. For the first 20 nights. In the last 10 nights, he would finish it every day. Finish the Quran once every day. وَكَانَ الزُّهْرِ إِذَا دَخَلَ رَمَضَانَ قَالْ فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ تِلَاوَةُ الْقُرْآنِ وَإِطْعَامُ الطَّعَامِ Imam Zuhri used to say when Ramadan began, Ramadan is the month of recitation of the Qur'an and feeding the people, meaning iftar, etc. for the people, and reading the Qur'an. وَكَانَ مَالِكٌ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ إِذَا دَخَلَ رَمَضَانَ يَفِرُّ مِنْ قِرَاءَةِ الْحَدِيثِ وَمُجَالَسَةِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ وَيُقْبِلُ عَلَى تِلَاوَةِ الْقُرْآنِ مِنَ الْمُصْحَفِ It's mentioned about Imam Malik, that when Ramadan came, he would... Not do any other classes of knowledge. Hadith and sitting in those types of gatherings. He would stop that in Ramadan. And go purely upon focusing to reading the Qur'an. He would focus purely upon the Qur'an. And he would even stop the other other lessons and knowledge and going to those. وَكَانَ قَتَادَ يَدْرُسُ الْقُرْآنِ فِي شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ And Qatada used to study and read the Qur'an a lot. In Ramadan, وَكَانَ سُفْيَانُ الثَّوْرِ إِذَا دَخَلَ رَمَضَانَ تَرَكَ جَمِيعَ الْعِبَادَ وَأَقْبَلَ عَلَى تِلَاوَةِ الْقُرْآنِ Sufyanu Thawri, it's mentioned, when Ramadan came in, he would leave all other acts of worship, all of the supererogatory, different types of worship, and he would instead focus all his time upon the Qur'an. The obligatory acts of worship, of course, and then... All the other optional ones, he would leave them and just focus on Qur'an in the month of Ramadan. وَالْآثَارَ عَنْهُمْ فِي هَذَا الْمَعْنَى كَثِيرَةً And there are many narrations from the Salaf uh, that talk about this, about the recitation of the Qur'an and how much importance and focus they gave to the recitation of it. We've mentioned before though as well, that when it comes to the Qur'an, it is not only about recitation. There are, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentioned, five key points when it comes to the Qur'an. So those five key points were what? When it comes to the Qur'an, there are five key elements that a person has to bear in mind. Firstly, to have the correct aqidah regarding the Qur'an. And we just spoke about that. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The attribute of Allah, not created. The second key point when it comes to the Qur'an is the recitation of the Qur'an. To read the Qur'an, and the Prophet ﷺ said, every letter is for ten rewards. And he mentioned, لا أقول ألف لام ميم حرف بل ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف He said, I don't mean when you say ألف لام ميم, that's one letter, you get ten rewards. Alif is one, ten rewards. Lam is one, ten rewards. Meme is one, ten rewards. Thirty rewards in that one word. So recitation. The third point, memorization too. It's not just reciting, it is also memorizing. Memorization too. So that's the third key point, to memorize the Qur'an as well. And there are narrations about how the Qur'an will be uh, uh, an intercession for the people who memorize it. The Qur'an will intercede on their behalves on the Day of Judgment. The fourth point, understanding it. So not just having the right aqidah, reciting it, memorizing it, without understanding any of it. The fourth point is to understand it. To understand what the Qur'an is telling us, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, the commandments, the prohibitions, to understand the Qur'an. And then the fifth point is obvious, to act upon the Qur'an. Those are the five key elements when it comes to the Qur'an. And that's why this next chapter briefly goes over those points and it says Al-Matlubu min al-Qur'an fahmu ma'anihi wal-amalu bihi What is required with regards to the Qur'an is to understand the meanings of it and to act upon it. To understand the meanings of it and to act upon it. Because the Qur'an is a door to guidance. And Allah has revealed it as a light and as a guidance for us all and as a glad tidings for those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah has made it a cure for the cures, for, for the diseases rather. Allah has made it a cure for the diseases of the heart and of the illnesses and of the doubts. Allah has made it a cure for all of those affairs too. So that is the section that we'll round off on for today. And then we're going to begin the next section, which is etiquettes regarding the Qur'an from the next time, insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Before we conclude today, we should mention here as well, just like in all of the other marakis, some of the advice of the scholars regarding what is well known these days, the coronavirus and all these issues. The scholars have given some advice regarding it because it is something now that is serious in terms of its level of spread. It may not be particularly serious for the majority of people in terms of their health implications. Most people, or as they say in their figures and stats, 99% of people who catch it will recover and no problem. But that isn't the point. 
Even if you catch it, there are the normal flu and cold and fevers and pains and all that which occurs. But the threat is to those who are more elderly, those who are elderly, those who have underlying health conditions. The government is even uh, planning now to request everybody over the age of 70 to stay in their homes and not leave for four months. They are considering it. They are considering this because the over 70s, that's where the danger is. They catch this and it does cause a danger to the level it can be critical. And they do have to go into intensive care. So for those with problems, uh, respiratory issues, heart conditions, other problems, it's a serious thing. So for those who are younger, it may not be a problem for us directly, inshallah. But it's about the spread to the elders in the community. And that spread occurs by us. In fact, they say the biggest spread is by the youngest people. The youngest people are the ones with the least symptoms. They recover quickly, a couple of days, a little cold, a little cough, and they recover. But they are the ones who then pass it on the most. The youngest people, kids, recover from it quite easily, inshallah, as they say. Young people recover quite easily, but it's the spread that they cause which is the problem. For those who are elder and for those who have medical problems. So we do have to take it seriously now. And the scholars are taking it seriously too now in terms of it being an inf- a disease that is spreading and is infecting by the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they've mentioned a few things. One of them is regarding attending the masjid for the jama'ah, for the five daily prayers and for the jum'ah prayer, that if you are infected, you've been diagnosed, it is haram for you to go to the masjid and stay away until you are clear. Also, even if you haven't been infected, but you are supposed to be self-isolating or in other quarantine, then it's upon you to do that. You must go do that self-isolation or the quarantine and stay away from the masjid also. And cannot come to the masjid in that state. Pray at home, pray where you're isolating, pray your dhuhr instead of jum'ah. And thirdly, those who have uh, a greater problem because of their age or because of other health issues and there's a greater problem for them if they catch the disease it is permissible for them to miss too it is permissible for them to miss the Jum'ah and pray Dhuhr at home permissible for them to miss the Jama'ah and just pray it at home and in these times now it is permissible to do that and it's probably going to continue for a while they don't expect the peak to occur in the UK for another four weeks or so, another month, six weeks, another two or three months before it finally starts to drop, they estimate, June time. So there's going to be a problem for the next couple of months. And everybody has to take it seriously in terms of not necessarily your own health, inshallah, there won't be much, inshallah. But it's about the spread to those who are vulnerable, those who are older in age, those who are of the generation above us in the community, That's where the real threat is. Hence, the scholars have mentioned all this advice. You can even stay away from the masjid for those affected and the the categories we just mentioned. They even said, a few of the scholars now have even said, you don't need to shake hands these days. When you give salam, give verbally, assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum assalam, without shaking hands. Scholars have even said this now. Not just one, more than one now. 
more than one from the scholars have said, you don't give salams with a physical handshake these days. Do it just verbally. Because Islam allows us to take the means of protection. It is now medically and scientifically understood or more than likely expected that one of the means of transmission by the decree of Allah is through physical contact and shaking of hands, etc. So Islam allows us protection without doubt. So the scholars have said, these days now, when you give salam even, without physical handshakes, give the salam verbally. The obligation is the verbal salam. Handshake is an extra on top, extra sunnah on top. If you leave that, you haven't abandoned anything. It's not like you're abandoning the obligation. The obligation is to give the, or to the sunnah is to give the salam, and the obligation is to reply to the salam. The handshake is on top of that. So the scholars have said, in these circumstances, it's better to avoid the handshake right now because of the situation that we're in. So these types of things do have to be things that you bear in mind. And it may not be, like we said, because of a real threat or danger to your health, but it's because of the spread to the elders in the community. And so there's a responsibility upon everyone to make sure they do follow the medical advice being given about washing and hands and hygiene and all that. You have to do it. Don't think this is just, you know, they're talking about it and do this and do that. You have to do these things. The scholars have said do these things. And this is something Islamically, purification we're upon anyway. So to be upon that purification, you do it. Do the guidelines that they are giving you about washing the hands and minimizing contact. And scholars are even saying the same thing now. If you don't need to go out to places, don't go. Only go where you need to go. Don't just go out. For the sake of going out now to here, to there, to there, because it is spreading properly, this disease, it is spreading. They expect in most countries now, a lot of these countries that eventually, figures of 80% they are saying. Germany they are saying it, the UK they are saying it too. That possibly up to 80% of the population will probably get it. One scientist the other day even said, today in fact, said eventually everybody will get it. But some of them will get it later on, maybe later and maybe not, because maybe later vaccinations will be made. But in this initial burst, a huge proportion of the population will get it. And it's not the problem for the young, but it's the problem for the elderly mostly. So as a Muslim, a person has to take care of himself and of others. And that's what the permanent or the major scholars, they said, the committee of major scholars, you do not receive harm, neither do you do something to cause harm. So now if you don't take care and you end up spreading it because you're not taking care, you may only have a couple of days of a cough, but you're okay again, but then you've spread it to elders and others in the community, you've caused harm by the decree of Allah that you've spread it. So a person does have to take care with this, and all the medical advice and the advice that's been given about isolation and things, you have to do it, you do do it. A person experiences any of those symptoms now, the fever, the coughs, the the uh, uh, muscle pain, all those types of things, you experience that, you do stay away. You stay away, you keep it, you do the isolation thing they are talking about. You do all of that now. This is the advice medically, and this is what the scholars have said, you follow out then. Follow out and do those things to remove harm from yourself, and to stop harming others. So that is something that does have to be implemented. You experience those symptoms, then do what they are telling you medically. Isolate, etc. for a week, two weeks, whatever it is. Let the symptoms die down, check up, go get tests, whatever. You do that if it occurs. So this has to be something we bear in mind. We need to implement these things now as they are being mentioned. 
the medical advice, etc., does have to be done. And we'll have to see how things progress over the next few weeks, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll run off on that for today and hopefully carry on next week. Explain. Explain to them. He's another Muslim. You can explain to them. Tell them, you know, right now we have this situation going on and uh, uh, scholars are advising about these things and talk to them and explain to them. Somebody who, who doesn't understand, you know, it's going to be maybe somebody elderly or, or it's going to be hard to not. And uh, So you can shake hands. It's not like anybody's telling you it's haram to do it. They're just saying this is one of the measures that you can implement Islamically for protection. So if a situation is awkward, shake hands and then go make sure you do your washing and everything. Hmm. Uh, what about uh, traveling to other countries? Is that impermissible. It is impermissible to travel at this stage right now. As, I mean, even if it isn't now, it's only about a week away or two weeks away where if they expect upon their models and projections, you're going to get to Italy and Spain kind of levels. But even now, even now, at this stage, Practically, it's up the Islamic ruling of being impermissible to travel. And uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter too much because you're not going to find a plane to go anywhere anyway these days now. But it's, it's impermissible because some people, they might say, uh, the other day we were talking about it, what if you go to another country that has the equal number of breakout as UK? But in the UK, there are a thousand cases, 30 deaths. Netherlands has a thousand cases and 30 deaths roughly. So if I travel there, it's an equal thing from here to there. Impermissible still. Impermissible now. In this kind of scenario and situation, you have to do Islamically what you can do to minimize any further outbreak by the decree of Allah. And to minimize it, obviously, you do not travel. That's the advice in the uh, uh, hadith about the plague. Obviously, this is not a plague level, but the rulings are similar. So you don't travel still. At this stage now, there shouldn't be any traveling going on to other countries and things. And probably not for a while. Hmm. Anything else? What about the people that are stocking up on uh, like food? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you have to... As a Muslim, we don't behave in, in manners that are silly. As, as is occurring from some of the people with this toilet roll thing and everything else. But, you know, you're going to go do your shopping. You get what you need to get. You do what you do as normal. And if you were to increase a slight percentage over what you would have got, it's not a big deal. But to do the type of thing which has been happening, that's not the way of a Muslim. To go and uh, clear out shelves of this and shelves of that. So you do what you need to do as the regular type of thing, even if you got some little extra. Maybe there's somebody uh, in your family who would require it, somebody who is in the vulnerable category. So okay, so be it, a little bit extra, but not to go to the levels of what you see from the people. All right, so inshallah, we'll carry on next week then.